Welcome to the ASA podcast. Hello, I'm Kerry Thoyers, and today I'm talking with Chris Edwards, who is one of the co-authors on one of the articles in the September issue of Sonography. The article we're talking about is the Australian Sonography Competency, a new framework. Chris, just before we start, um, there's a few conflicts of interest that need to be declared. So I'm also a co-author on this article, and as well as yourself being an um, author, you're also the um, chair of the Australian Sonographer Accreditation Registry, uh, or the ASAR, and this is the body which funded the research. But despite those disclosures, I thought that it would be useful to chat to you because of your role in the project and also your position on the ASAR board. So essentially, this article introduces a new competency framework for sonographers, for Australian sonographers, and I think listeners would be interested to know as to why the ASAR supported this project and what benefits they thought that it might bring. So thanks very much, uh, Kerry, and thanks for the opportunity to talk about this important research. I think it's a... It's a really important project and you know something that you know many many people were involved with uh so perhaps in terms of why the ASA supported the project perhaps it's worth first i suppose just reminding some listeners about uh how the asar uses i suppose a competency document and distinguishes it from those other sort of guidelines that we use for course accreditation so people are aware the ASAR's primary function is to accredit sonographers uh, as well as to accredit sonography courses. Uh, so when a course provider applies for a course accreditation, uh, they're provided with our standards for accreditation of sonographer courses, uh, which contains a series of, of criteria that need to be addressed. Um, so in a multiple references to competency uh, outcomes, competency achievement, uh, and these are both from a, a teaching and learning perspective as well as an assessment perspective. So, for example, a course must demonstrate that they have a variety of assessment contexts uh, that are used to demonstrate competency in a diverse range of clinical settings. Uh, so this is where a detailed competency document is useful for us as it provides a framework uh, to measure a course and also provides a framework for the course to make sure uh, they're meeting the various uh, expectations of competency for their student. So to a course we say um, the ASSA standards uh, should be read in tandem with the competency document uh, and the document that we currently use and reference is the ASA competency stands for the entry level sonographer uh, which the ASA developed over a decade ago. Uh, in cons consultation with a range of stakeholders, including ASAR. So then I suppose returning to your original question about why the ASAR decided to fund the project, uh, I think for a few reasons. Firstly, for a point of currency, uh, there's a need to update the competency document uh, that we currently use to reflect some of the changes in the industry, such as changing technology, uh, applications for ultrasound you know, as a diagnostic tool is changing, uh, the importance of sonographer-led research uh, and various new roles that sonographers are taking on in, in what is a very growing profession. Uh, secondly, I think there was clear evidence that the development of this new framework 
was backed by solid research fundamentals uh, using a Delphi methodology. Uh, an ethics committee reviewed it and approved it. Uh, and it also involved a range of all the relevant stakeholders from industry experts uh, in the various discipline specialties to course providers to professional associations and accrediting bodies. So the point there is, is, is the right people were involved. Uh, an ethics committee reviewed the process and the result, I think, uh, is a competency document uh, that the ASAR can confidently utilise within its course accreditation framework. So uh, from, from our side, it was, it was well worth the investment. Okay, that's good. So I can see how the framework's important to the ASAR and also to the Sonographer Teaching Institutions. Um, it's made up of four elements, and um, I thought it might be useful or worth talking about each element individually. So firstly, we have um, competency standards. Can you briefly tell me about these, who would use them and how they would use them? Yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, I think the competency standards within the framework uh, should be viewed, I think, as the central ingredient to the larger recipe, which is the, the competency framework. So within it, so I think without it, um, the remainder of the document uh, doesn't sort of make as much sense. So this part, I think, is the central part and it's, it's directly comparable to other common competency standards that your listeners may be aware of, such as the medical radiation practice professional capabilities as one example. Uh, so in this section, there's a series of overarching descriptive themes uh, and then more granular descriptions nested below them. So the 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 overarching themes are these units um, and what defines a sonographer. So a sonographer is a professional and ethical practitioner. They're a lifelong learner. They're a safety and risk manager, a communicator and collaborator, uh, and a sonographic uh, practitioner. So these themes each have a series of descriptive elements, which are quite broad. Uh, and then in this part of the document, below that is nested some performance criteria as well as cues, uh, which were developed to provide some more detail. So a specific performance criteria uh, within one section uh, on ultrasound imaging systems uh, is may have a cue underneath it that uh, a competent sonographer uh, should have a detailed understanding of their machines uh, and the knowledge of ultrasound physics uh, and the correct identification of artefacts is one example. So the performance criteria and cues are great because they provide the specific detail with descriptive examples. It also defines which performance criteria and cues are considered entry level uh, and which are developed post-graduation. So this is something course providers can utilise to ensure competency assessment uh, and you know, these assessments are aligned uh, you know, with framework expectations. Okay, so the competency standards, as you say, are the essential ingredients, um, but we also have the other minor ingredients perhaps. So one of those is sonographer knowledge. So can you just tell me um, also about um, sonographer knowledges, who would be using them and how they would be using them? Yeah, so hopefully this section is fairly straightforward. So this part of the framework, I suppose, defines the consensus view on the breadth of knowledge that a practitioner is required to be effective in their particular specialty area, you know, things like a 
if they're in, involved in abdominal, abdominal scanning, obstetrics and gynae, superficial parts, breasts, paediatrics, cardiac ultrasound, vascular and MSK. And it, this section lists both the core knowledge, uh, which should be attained at the entry level, uh, and advanced knowledge gained from additional experience and training post-graduation. So how is this type of information important? Uh, so again, very important for a course provider from a learning and teaching perspective. It provides a detailed list, uh, certainly in the core section, to help develop a contemporary framework, uh, sorry, contemporary syllabus for a course, uh, whereas advanced and specialised knowledge lists has the potential to be utilised uh, by departments as a tool to, to create perhaps career development pathways, uh, including way a sonographer could, could help justify uh, promotion, for example. Uh, and, and just as, as an aside, uh, I saw recently uh, a, you know, a, some survey data around um, you know, what uh, particular, the top reasons uh, for quitting a job uh, in the last 12 months. And the number one reason was actually a lack of career development and advancement. So something I think is, is a key challenge in our profession and something leaders in this space, space should be aware of. You know, there's still a real abundance of jobs available uh, for qualified sonographers. Sonographers can move around. Uh, and something that provides a clear framework for career development uh, will be an advantage uh, to attract uh, and retain staff. Yeah, okay. So um, as you say, this framework provides, it's great that it provides clarity around expectations, not only of a graduate sonographer, but also for sonographers with more experience. So it looks like here we have a framework that's not only useful for teaching institutions, but also for sonographers and their employers when they're thinking about their skill development and career progression. Um, so just moving on to the next element or ingredient, um, the next one, sonographer attitudes. Could you tell me about these? Who would be using them and how? Yes, certainly. So I think attitudes is probably a little more challenging to define. Uh, and there is still debate in the literature on the relationship between someone's attitudes uh, and competency. Uh, we know practitioners' skills and knowledge are essential parts of competency. Uh, and develop as a practitioner gains more experience in their craft. Whereas I think it's, it's less clear whether uh, attitudes develop independently of this uh, or whether they're something that with increasing exposure uh, to a particular profession, you know, a practitioner can, can develop cr critical uh, attitudes in that profession. Uh, and this was certainly one reason a standalone list of, of attitudes is worthwhile. Um, so in terms of what the framework ended up developing, it developed a list of 16 desired ad attitudes, uh, things like accountability, patience, uh, valuing professionalism, resilience. So why are these useful? I think they are helpful for the individual as a tool to reflect on in regards to personal attributes, but again, also a tool perhaps for departments uh, considering taking on a trainee. You know, we know that departments are often flooded with applicants um, and the time commitment to train a student is, is very, very long. So selecting that right candidate becomes incredibly important. So a list uh, such as this, which has been backed by a sort of consensus view by a group of experts, uh, becomes a valuable tool you know, in that sort of initial screening process when, when considering taking on a, a student. 
Okay, so as as with the competency standards of sonographer knowledges, this list of attitude is not only useful for teaching institutions, but again, also for sonographers and their managers. So um, just moving on to the final ingredient, which is the holistic competency matrix. Can you explain what this is, who would use it and how they'd use it? Yeah, so again, uh, this was something that sort of came out of the, the process of developing the research. So the research team felt a more generalised descriptive matrix uh, was warranted during the development. Uh, and this is something that was aligned more directly with the Dreyfus model of skill acquisition uh, and something that your listeners may be familiar with, particularly if they're familiar with the ASA entry-level document. Uh, those levels are you know, a novice, advanced beginner, a competent, proficient and advanced sonographer. Uh, and there's a series of sections uh, in the matrix, you know, things like applied knowledge, scanning skills, as well as um, you know, things like autonomy, things like professionalism. Uh, and the matrix really was independent of any particular specialty area and tried to distinguish clearly between the Dreyfus levels. So one example from the, the psychomotor skills section at the beginner, sorry, at the, at the advanced beginner level, uh, defines a student can achieve optimal diagnostic images with some effort and sometimes with assistance. Whereas at the competent level, the matrix defines a sonographer can scan ef efficiently uh, and in a highly coordinated manner to achieve optimal uh, diagnostic images. So therefore, this becomes a valuable tool for direct assessment of students and perhaps for more advanced practitioners seeking promotion. From the course provider's perspective, it provides guidance on the minimum requirements of competency. Uh, and these are addressed at the fundamental level. So each section uh, in that matrix addresses generic skills. Uh, and that list is quite transferable across uh, scan types. So it's independent uh, of what particular scan uh, a practitioner may be involved with at the time. Okay. Thanks, Chris. So from what you've told me today, there's a theme that this framework's not only useful for the ASAR and sonographer educational institutions, but it's also got uses for qualified sonographers and their managers and or employers. So I guess I encourage everyone to take a look at the full document, and this is um, a link to the full documents available within the article. Um, and I just also wanted to mention that um, because obviously I was involved in the project as well, an interesting perspective that I took um, from my involvement was that in some areas of practice it was quite hard to get consensus agreement between the participants on questions of if particular skills and knowledges were the minimum requirement for graduating sonographers or not, or if they were more set, should be set at a more advanced level. Um, and this lack of consensus in some areas reflects to me the diversity of opinions that we have in the sonographic community. I guess that's no surprise. But what it does mean is that not everyone will agree with everything in the framework. Regardless of this, I think it's still really useful, comprehensive, and importantly, current for the moment, I guess. Um, so, Chris, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate that. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we close off? Just, just to say, Kerry, I, I think I agree with your, your final comments there. I think it's it 
it, it is a large document uh, and there is a diversity of opinions in it. But I think that that's a healthy thing as well. It provides a broad scope of uh, what is, is a, uh, a wide profession and which covers you know, uh, you know, various sort of settings clinically. Uh, and then I guess finally just to, to acknowledge all the people involved, it was such a, it's such a large project, pro, project. I know you spent many, many hours involved with it uh, and there was, you know, there was a, a large group of experts who provided their input. So a big thank you to them as well as the, the research team, which involved you know, every uh, sort of accredited course in Australia as well as um, there was... A, ASA and involved from ASM as well as the ASAR. So, you know, it, it is always refreshing, I think, to when you've got such a large project with so many people involved that you can uh, get to an outcome and, you know, deliver a document such as this, which is, I think, is very, very, very valuable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally agree, actually. And, um, you know, also the expert panel provided a lot of feedback and they were very enthusiastic about it so you know that's um says a lot for the health of the profession as well that people um, are happy to buy in so i think that comes to the end of it now so um chris thank you very much and i'm looking forward to seeing how this um framework's implemented into practice in the future thank you very much great my pleasure thank you for listening to this episode of the asa podcast Head to the show notes or the ASA website to find more information, resources and CPD activities.